0: to allow him to turn the corner mama there goes that man puts up the shot it's good Kyrie oh if you don't like that you don't like nba basketball oh boy welcome everyone to the first pick podcast your source for nba news related content thanks for listening Welcome everyone back to another episode of the first Pick pod today we are going to be continuing the NBA teams deep dive and as we're going in alphabetical order, we did the Atlanta Hawks last episode and first of all, thank you guys so much for watching it I really do appreciate you guys you guys really seem to love it. I'm trying some new stuff out I'm trying some reels on Instagram so please. Go follow the Instagram is going to be at the underscore first pick pod. Please like those, share those comment on them. It just really helps the channel growth. And I would really do appreciate that. But as we're getting a little sidetracked, let's get back to where we were. The Atlanta Hawks were done last episode. Great turnout. Really happy you guys like that. And now, this episode, we are going to be doing the Boston Celtics. Now, the Boston Celtics had a pretty interesting offseason. You think of Boston, you think of championships. They're tied with the LA Lakers with the most in NBA history. They both have 17 apiece, both looking to get number 18. And Boston, I mean, they did a big move this offseason. So without further ado, let's get this started. Boston has... Basically a two-headed horse. They have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They ended last season in the semis. It wasn't a really good series. They tried coming back little by little. They forced a game seven, which is really, really good. Although they did come up short, Jason Tatum had times where he looked unstoppable and times where he looked like he didn't really want the ball. And that's normal. But You just hope that next year he takes this leap where it's that consistent, always, you know, coming at you 30, maybe even 40 points a night come playoff time. He played really good, though. I'm not taking that against him. Jalen Brown, though, that's going to be a guy that we really do talk about this episode, just because Jalen Brown is a big question mark. He was really good in the first couple rounds of the playoffs. He was carrying the offensive load at times when I mentioned Tatum was kind of off ball a bit more. But I mean, it really showed in that Miami series. He didn't really have a left hand. There were times where it kind of was forcing him to go left and it was working in Miami's favor. Now, you hope that he develops some sort of a left hand, becomes ambidextrous, only because, you know, well, we're going to get to why we think that's a pretty big deal for them. But, I mean, it starts with them, too, and then they did a great move. I say great move very lightly because... As I mentioned in last episode, you got to give up something to get something. They acquired Kristaps Porzingis, yes, the seven-three guy coming off a career year in Washington. He did an opt-in trade. I reported that on the Twitter and on the Instagram of the first pick podcast. And I mean, Kristaps is a great talent. He's seven-three, as I just mentioned. He can shoot the three ball. Really good defense. I think he had one of his best years of his career. One of the most healthiest as well. I just think it's. Because he played in Washington, not a lot of people really cared. But, I mean, he's a solid talent. I am really excited. But they did give up Marcus Smart. Now, the deal happened, and it was Marcus Smart to Memphis in exchange for draft considerations. Boston then acquired Chris Stops from Washington. And then Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari got sent to Washington. So it was a three-team deal. Every, a lot of pieces going everywhere. When this trade was first announced, it was a little earlier in that day. And it was Malcolm Brogdon who was headed to the Clippers and, you know, Porzingis still to Boston and everything but the trade fell through because the Los Angeles Clippers saw Malcolm Brockton's physicals and they were like he is not okay we're not gonna do this trade anymore we back out. So Boston was essentially left with around I want to say a little less than two hours to get a deal done. And the only reason they had that deadline was because Kristaps had a player option and if you remember when I talked about player options those are essentially just options where the player himself can either opt in to the last year of his deal or he can opt out and test free agency. That deadline line was coming up fairly quickly it was that same day and the trade kind of conspired out of nowhere Chris Stops was excited to go to Boston but then the trade fell through so he didn't know but it was reported that he did want to go to Boston still so they were left with two hours left and the Boston Celtics general manager Brad Stevens who used to be their coach had to make a really tough call instead of trying to convince another team to take on Malcolm Brogdon because he knew that wasn't coming He got rid of Marcus Smart, a former defensive player of the year, one of the first guards to win it since Gary Payton. He was the Celtics. I remember when he was drafted to the Celtics, there were a ton of people that loved him right straight from the gate. He was just he represented grit and grind, which is kind of ironic how he goes to Memphis now. But I mean, he was Boston. He was there when they were really bad. They were coming off one of the worst seasons in their history. And he kind of flipped it around. They became a perennial finals contender with Marcus Smart at the helm, at the point guard. Obviously you saw the rumors. He always was maybe clashing with Brown, maybe clashing with Tatum, but he was the ultimate glue guy in that roster. His interviews, once he left, you know, his introductory press conference in Memphis, he was answering questions about Boston. And I mean, he admitted he cried and, that's very emotional just because of the fact that he grew a strong connection to Boston. He kind of thought he was one of them. And, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. And I'm sure Brad Stevens didn't want to trade him. That's why the trade involved Malcolm Brogdon at first. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're keeping Malcolm Brogdon, who just won six men of the year. Yes, he was heavily injured during the playoffs, really did affect his, like, play he really didn't play that good he even missed some games he forced some games to be played but you hope that he has a healthier year and I mean we saw him as a starting point guard in Indiana and he absolutely killed it it's the reason why Boston had interest in him slide him into that starting point guard role I mean what they got in return for Marcus Smart is phenomenal 7-3 scorer there were at times in the playoffs where they just couldn't deal with anyone's length They have Robert Williams and Al Horford there in that front court, and they're great players. Robert Williams, tremendous defender, undersized though. He's only 6'8". And then Al Horford, he's aging. He's around 37, 38, and he's a great player. His play style... I don't think will deteriorate just because he doesn't rely on athleticism a lot. But on the defensive end, if you're going to have him playing the four because Robert Williams can't really shoot, it's going to affect them because he's going to have to start moving more laterally. And Kristaps, yes, he is 7'3". His lateral movement probably isn't the best. But I mean, still, he's he makes up for it on the offensive end because he brings something that Al Horford and Robert Williams, but he kind of blends them together. And I think that can unlock a new lineup for them that I don't think not a lot of people are expecting. Now, after they did that trade... It was kind of shook the whole league because no one really had Boston and KP, you know, together in free agency. They signed O'Shea Brissett, which I love that move. He's someone that played in Indiana last year. He didn't really get a lot of minutes, but when he did, he showed flashes. He's extremely uber athletic. I mean, he can jump out of the gym. He plays defense and he shot a respectable clip a couple years ago that kind of faded away last year, which is why his minutes went down. But if he can kind of bring that back, I'm not asking him to be a 40 to 45 percent three point shooter because I don't think that's, you know, in the realm of possibility. But I do think that he can become this sort of glue bench piece that they kind of envisioned Danilo Gallinari having. And we're going to get into why we need O'Shea Brissett to develop into what they hope they can, because they did lose their forward Grant Williams to the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks signed Grant Williams. And we're going to get more into depth about what that means for Dallas. But what it means for Boston is they lost one of their, you know, important role players. He played heavy minutes in that series against the Heat. He played heavy minutes in the regular season. He was just great insurance to have to back up for Brown and Tatum. And you lose him for essentially nothing. You really hope that you bank on O'Shea Brissett becoming that Grant Williams-esque player. I do think he could become that. I do think if you compare them side by side, obviously Grant Williams is a better player. He's the better shooter. He's probably more physical, but O'Shea Brissett has the physicality tools to be able to kind of match up with that. So I do hope O'Shea becomes that for them. Now, when they had that run in the playoffs, Derek White was another player that just went absolutely insane for them. He's the one that forced game seven with that tip in at the end of game six, you know, off the putback miss. He's just an everywhere at all times type of player. When you look at the depth chart, In Boston, their starting lineup, according to ESPN, will be Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, and Al Horford. Now, do I think that's correct? Probably not. I actually have Malcolm Brogdon to become the starting point guard, only because, yes, he does fit nice in that backup role. But I do think Malcolm Brogdon needs to add more of an assisting playmaking role. And I think Derek White can provide you with that. But with him, you're more going towards the Marcus Smart where you're just relying on defense more than anything. Malcolm Brogdon, you really need a playmaker in there with Brown and Tatum because at times the ball does become stagnant. And you do have Kristaps slid it at the four and Al Horford in at the five. If I'm Boston, I would try to convince Al Horford to come off the bench and start Robert Williams only because I want to go as athletic as possible. And just, I mean, the sheer defense that you get between Porzingis and Robert Williams at the rim... That's really, really good. Porzingis' ability to shoot beyond the arc opens up the floor a ton for Robert Williams. Robert Williams is really a pick and roll, lop catcher-esque player, but you have them alongside with three guys, maybe even four if you add Malcolm Brogdon into that lineup. Four guys that can realistically shoot over 37% from three and Robert Williams is there in the paint. Yeah, I think that's that's a really, really good team. Last year, Boston was the second seed. They were 57 and 25, a 69% win percentage. I think they're a really, really good team. They were one game away from being the number one seed. Do I think they can be that again? Most definitely, I think so. I even think that this acquisition, yes, they did lose Marcus Smart, but I think Kristaps Porzingis just unlocked something completely different for Boston. I think they can even be the one seed. I don't know where Chris Middleton's health lies. I don't know if Miami gets Dame. I don't know if all that, but this team is already set in stone. And I mean, I really do like what they did with the roster. They didn't do much, but I feel like they did just enough, if that makes any sense. Now, I do want to talk about their draft pick that they got in the second round, Jordan Walsh. Now, when I was doing mock drafts, I came across Jordan Walsh and I looked at his tape. And I mean, he's a phenomenal defender. He's probably a day one NBA player just based off his defense. And in summer league, he had a game against the Lakers where he was just not missing from three. He is not scared on offense, if he becomes a respectable three-point shooter, he's automatically in the rotation, I think. He is a tremendous defender. And I don't mean tremendous. I mean, he has the length that goes beyond full court. He can pick you up full court. He kind of moves like he's uncomfortable in his own body just because of how long his legs and his arms are. He's an extremely disruptive defender. He's really emotional. I think that in certain lineups, if he develops really, really good, he can be in that, you know, five minutes to go fourth quarter lineup. Boston can throw him in there and he will be really, really good. He is definitely a position of a defender, a POA defender. He is going to be really, really good for them. Well, I think he play a lot in his rookie year? I don't think so, but I would really want him to. Just because right now ESPN has Sam Hauser as their backup small forward, I think Jordan Walsh can easily outwin him in training camp. He just needs to show his ability to knock down the three-pointer. Because Sam Hauser, what he has is the ability to knock down the 3 but he doesn't really have that much defense. If you get a Sam Hauser that can knock down, obviously not as good as a three-point shooter, but if you can get somewhat of a respectable clip with with excellent defense, like, yeah, that's definitely someone that you got to have in your rotation. Now, just like Atlanta, I counted how many people they can have in their playoff rotation. Atlanta had around seven to eight pieces. When I'm counting Boston, they got Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Porzingis, Horford, Williams, Brogdon, Brissett, and then maybe Jordan, that's nine play. that's nine deep in the playoffs, and I think they can maybe even go a little more. Peyton Pritchard, maybe he develops, maybe he doesn't, maybe they acquire someone in the buyout market soon. I just really like the way they position themselves for this upcoming season. Now, when we talk about Boston, I've been leaving out this one big overall picture, and it's Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, he struggled a lot in the playoffs in that series against Miami. As I just mentioned a little earlier in the pod, he just he didn't have a left hand. He was struggling at times to get at the rim. He was forcing shots. He just kind of looked like a gazelle like with nowhere to go, you know? And he's up for an extension, and if he gets the extension that he's max allowed to get, he will become the highest paid player in NBA history. Do I think he's worth all that? That's a question that Boston and Brad Stevens himself have to ask. Can he be that number two next to Jason Tatum? They've made the finals before. They were close this year again. But I just think Tatum is definitely a guy that can be your number one. Jalen Brown is someone that if he develops any sort of a left hand, is definitely a number two. I think they have the makings of a championship roster. But Jalen Brown needs to take that next step. And what do you mean he needs to take a next step? He's already averaging 25, 27 a game. He needs to become a more versatile scorer. It's the same problem that I've had with guys, question marks like Brandon Miller when when he's coming into this league. He shot the ball extremely poorly. What else can he do? But Jalen Brown's a great defender. Yes, he is a great defender. But if he's a great defender and he's going up on the other end and just chucking up shots, that's not winning basketball. You need him to become a facilitator. You need him to become a screener, a roller. If he's not making any outside shots, get him in the post, get a layup, do something else. Jalen Brown's at times become so stubborn with, you know, he's going to make the next shot that he forces up a really terrible shot. And because their offense is so stagnant, you just look at every everyone's just standing there, you know, not doing anything. That's the reason why they won the Miami game, game six, and they were about to lose. Because someone decided to actually cut to the basket, grab the rebound, and put it back up. Boston never really did that. Derek White, who grew up in the Spurs rotation with Greg Popovich as his coach, who preaches ball movement, decided to actually cut in, get a rebound, hit the tip in, and they won the game. Boston at times just has this stagnation to them, and I think that it actually hurts them more than it helps them. It helps them win regular season games, that's for sure. That's so ISO ball, Jason Tatum gets it one turn, Jalen Brown, and then now you add Porzingis. So then you got three guys just going back and forth on, you know, Isolations, And then you had Malcolm Brogdon doing it in there for the for the bench role. It's just, you know, they have pieces that work as a team. Robert Williams, great lob catcher. Al Horford, great screener, team defender, great. Malcolm Brogdon, another great team player. Derek White, another great team player. Jordan Walsh and O'Shea Brissett, those are great players if you put them in a team setting. If you put them in a team setting, you're not expecting them to go one-on-one. They're tremendous players. They have length, they play defense, and they shoot relatively well. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, if they be, I you know, this is what I think needs to happen. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are tremendous players. Both average over 25, 27 points per game. Tatum's even averaging 30 points per game. That is exactly what you want on offense. Jason Tatum did, however, shoot 32% in the field from the playoffs. That's fine. His points went from 30 to 27. Still good. He needs to be more, you know, aggressive when it comes to the playoffs. But if they can average more than five or six assists, both of them, that is the difference between losing by two and winning by five. I think if they can add some sort of playmaking bag to them and it's not this sort of iso-ness, They got a really scary team on their hands. Now we're going to kind of go over my ceiling for them and my, you know, floor for them. My ceiling for Boston, they were the second seed last year. They were one win away from the first seed. I think because of how good their team is in the regular season, I will give them that one seed. I do think they'll be better than Milwaukee. I think they'll be better than Miami, even if they get Dame. I think they'll be better than the 76ers. And I think they'll be better than anyone else in the East obviously, because they're going to be the first seed. Do I think their floor? Their floor is definitely like third or fourth. If they get fourth, something went wrong. Either someone was not healthy or, you know, their players didn't mesh well or an unseen trade happened that n- not even reported right now is even in speculation. So something like that have had to happen. But I think even then Jason Tatum himself can just give them a top six seed, which is why I have them. their ceiling being the first and their floor being the third seed. I think they're definitely being in the playoffs. And Now, when I talk about their ceiling, I want to talk about their playoff ceiling. I think this is the finals team. Are they my favorites? No. But I think they're in that finals. I think their ceiling is the finals. I think their floor in the playoffs is second round. I think whoever they play in the first round, they're going to win just based off sheer, you know, talent that they have on the roster. Assuming everyone's healthy, no one is beating Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Chris Stops in a seven-game series. It's just not going to happen. With the defense of Robert Williams, the defense of Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, and then Al Horford still playing, I think they beat whoever they get in that first round. Now, do I think they end up losing to another team? I think they could lose to a team like Milwaukee. They could lose to a team like Miami because they just lost to Miami last year. And Miami could be adding Damian Lillard. And if that is what happens, then it's a little more worrisome because then you do wonder what are you going to do with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are you going to keep them together you already locked up Kristaps Porzingis they extended Kristaps for another two years after that contract so he's going to be there for the next three Jason Tatum is locked up for however many years he has left Jalen Brown that's the only question mark and I mean you want to keep Jason Tatum but at that point it's the, the NBA is a business Marcus Smart thought he was going to stay in Boston for his whole career and now he's playing in Memphis so the nba is a business i would not be surprised if in five years one of these two are on a different team obviously i'm a big fan of guys staying on their team and you know trying to win a championship for them but i mean this is one of the best rosters in the nba if you can't win with this roster that it's starting to become a you problem more than the organization's problem because now as your duo you have a really really good third guy like borderline all-star probably you have all defensive guy in robert williams You have Malcolm Brogdon, who just won sixth man of the year. You have Derek White and Al Horford, who are as solid as role players gets. And then you have Jordan Walsh and O'Shea Brissett, who can play quality minutes, even Peyton Pritchard. You got Denalo Banton. You know, you have players that can win you games in the regular season that just if you put them out there, they can probably win you a game or two. I think, you know, at that point, if they don't win this year, this is really a definitive year for that duo over there in Boston. I do, however, think they'll have a ton of regular season success. I think they'll both be all stars again. I would hope Jason Tatum takes that leap into MVP conversation. He did kind of do that in the beginning of this year, but you know, then Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic just started battling it out towards the middle and the end of the season, kind of washed Tatum away from the race. But I do think Tatum in order for this team to also take that leap Tatum needs to be an MVP Tatum needs to be in the top 3 MVP candidate that's my challenge for Tatum if he becomes a top 3 in MVP I think championship banner number 18 is looking really promising for Boston now that we did the Boston Celtics in depth 2023-2024 NBA season preview next episode we are going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets now the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a really really fun team there's a ton of young talent and I'm really excited to do their episode but without further ado Let's get to the you know NBA news and rumors portion of this podcast. As I mentioned in the last pod, this part of the podcast varies in length just because there's usually some news or there's not really any news. Now NBA news between this and the last pod, you can talk about James Harden and Daryl Morey. Apparently, their relationship is like done. They don't really want to, you know, everything that happened in Houston and they were you know buddy buddies. Yeah, that's no more, according to sources. Chompsraniya. I do think it was reported, actually not reported, it was actually just said on a radio show, Daryl Morey said that he wishes to honor James Harden's request of a trade. But I mean, it's not just going to be something where, okay, yeah, we'll take scraps for James Harden. They want Embiid to be happy. I do think if I had to put my money on it, if I was a betting man, Joel Embiid is probably the next star that is traded. Just because of the sheer fact, I don't think I think they will trade Harden. I don't think they'll get anything significant in return, leading to Joel Embiid, you know, kind of being upset, and then he'll end up on a new team come either next year or the year after that. So I do think an Embiid trade is on the horizon. I do think within the next one or two years, unless something crazy happens and they get something really good for Harden, I do think Embiid's time in Philly is up. Next is Sham Sharania reporting how Portland has basically told Miami, just give us your best offer. Essentially, kind of Portland saying, we're tired of playing this game of chicken. We want to get this done. We don't want this to drag into training camp, but we will, if it has to, give us your best offer. When I think of the best offer Miami has, it's Tyler Hero, multiple first-round draft picks, Kyle Lowry for salary purposes, and one of Nikola Jovic or Jaime Hawkes. Do I think Portland wants all that? I don't think they want Tyler Hero. So you're going to have to reroute Tyler Hero to another team. It's been reported, as I mentioned, in previous pods and even on the Instagram. The Spurs have interest. The Nets have interest. Utah has interest. So I'm pretty sure you can get something of value in return for Tyler Hero. And I think Tyler Hero is kind of going criminally underrated. Yes, he didn't play in the playoffs, but that boy is a 20-point-per-game scorer. You let him get on almost any team, he's giving them 20 points per game, and they're probably going to be a playing team. He gives me more of an efficient way of Jordan Poole. plays a lot smarter than Jordan Poole. And I mean, if we're going to give Jordan Poole a max contract and say that, you know, he went off to Washington and now he's going to average 25, the same thing can be said about Tyler Hero, if anything, in a more effective manner. I do think, you know, Portland is being smart and not wanting to take Tyler Hero. I do think Tyler Hero is a bit repetitive in Portland. They already have Simons. They have Sharp. They have Scoot Henderson. There's no real need to add someone like Tyler Hero. So I do think a three-team, maybe even four-team trade has to happen for Dame to get to Miami, but that's all I have on Dame to Miami. As of now, it has been rumblings in the NBA also, how the Lakers want to re-sign Anthony Davis, re-up him, and all points signed that Anthony Davis will be signing that extension in August. It's going to be a three-year, $166 million deal. I mean, unless LA really does think they're going to get a star after LeBron James, it's a really smart move to lock up Anthony Davis right now and not let him test free agency. But I also think it's smart for them because worst case scenario, if Anthony Davis and the Lakers do not see eye to eye in the future, Anthony Davis secured his money and he can just request a trade and LA, you know, gets the best value that they can from him. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's the LA Lakers. I do think they end up getting someone. Will that be at the caliber of LeBron James? No one is really on the caliber of LeBron James. I think even the NBA is still shocked that he plays for the Lakers. I don't think they'll get someone of that magnitude, but they will definitely be getting an all-star to pair up with Anthony Davis. I do think that is definitely possible. Nevertheless, though, that feels like it's it for me here on today's episode of the First Pick Podcast. We essentially just went over the Boston Celtics, their depth chart. What do I think their ceiling is, their floor is for this upcoming NBA season? We went over some NBA news, NBA rumors. Granted, there wasn't that many, but I will be notifying you if there is any on the Twitter and Instagram. The Instagram is at the underscore first pick pod and the Twitter is capital T F and then first pick pod. If you can't find the Twitter head over to the Instagram, click the link tree in the bio, scroll down, click Twitter, follow the Twitter, and then share the Twitter. I really do appreciate you guys. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're also doing Instagram Reels now. So please be as interactive with those as possible. Comment, share those with friends. I really do appreciate that. And yeah, I'm just really excited for this upcoming NBA season. As I mentioned, Brooklyn is up next. Super excited to do you know my research on them, who they get, what type of roster are they looking at, And yes, thank you guys so much. Remember, share the podcast. Give us a five star. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If you can't find any of the links to the podcast, just remember, go to the Instagram and you'll be able to find wherever you want to listen to your podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate you guys. Thank you and peace.